Done. Okay. It's eight o'clock. Time to learn a little bit of the parsha. Uh, this is Chaim Bravender, and I'd like to mention that this year is dedicated by Bati and Eddie Jacobs in honor of the new granddaughter, Mila Mika Ariel, daughter of Nomi and Dor. You know, I have I have to admit that, uh, like, I get a little nervous if my students have grandchildren. That really puts me in a pretty old category. But look, we're really happy about the Simcha, and I'll try to detach my personal uh, limitations from the Simcha that we all have, thanks to Bati and Eddie Jacobs. You know, we're talking about Yaakov, and now we're talking about Yehuda, and everybody loves to talk about that because they, they impress us as being real people. Real people have ups and downs. Good things happen to them often, and sometimes things that are not so good. And they, they, they get into trouble and they get out of trouble. I mean, this is the real world that we're dealing with. That we, that, and yet, there's certain parts of it that are not so real. The first pasuk, the first pasuk, I'm sorry, I've got to get my highlighter going. Vayigashe lab Yehuda. So here's Yehuda going to talk to Yosef, but Yosef, you have to remember, is an Egyptian prince. He looks like one, he sounds like one, and he acts like one. Not only is he an Egyptian prince, but he's the Egyptian prince that, and by the way, he has an Egyptian name, which we'll get to in a minute, and, and, and he has saved the world. He has saved the world and increased the amount of money in the coffers of the kingship, of kingship. And here's Yehuda coming from a unimpressive family, from an unimpressive country. And, and here they are. It's a face-off. It's like, like, it just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. So Yudah says, starts off politely. And he says, you know, this is what he says. I want to say something. That's not how it works. You don't go to the king of the world and say, excuse me for a minute, I just want to add something. You don't do that. I want to just say just a, just a couple of words. You know, like we do that all the time. You know, the friends. But if we met up with Haro uh, Melech Mitzrayim, we probably wouldn't do that. Don't get angry. You know, my children say that to me sometimes. Don't get angry. I want to just tell you what's wrong with you. Okay, children, I guess they can do that. 
What does that mean? I mean, ordinarily, I would say whatever I want, but since you're like Paro, I have to be circumspect. Look at the Rashi. That's what the... Yidaber Davar Ba'aznei Adoni Yikansu Divarai Ba'aznecha I hope you'll be able to hear what I'm saying and that makes sense. Ra'u Yichar Abcha Do not get angry, Rashi says Mikana Talomed This itself teaches us Yidaber Elav Kashot It wasn't bad enough that he just spoke to him. But he's going to like say things that he's not going to like to hear. You imagine, you imagine what's going on here. And then finally he says, Kikamocha Kiparo, Chachubata Be'enaikimelech, Zepshuto. Rashi realizes sensitive to the fact that, I mean, if you're going to, you're interrupting everything. I mean, why say Kikamocha Kiparo? I mean, what does that mean? What does that mean? Everybody knows that he is for all effective purposes. He's Paro. But that's not something good. So Rashi said, Medrash show, there's another interpretation and another and another. He says, Sovcha lil kot alav bitzara'at paro. He's saying something else. Just like Paro was punished right, with leprosy it's my my grandmother Sarah who caused this distress for Paro in those days. held her back one night. Just that little thing like that. That was what he was saying. <laughs> According to Rashi, Yehuda is saying, you better listen to me. Yehuda says to, to Paro, you better listen to me. I'm powerful. I can take care of it. I mean, how is he going to take care of it? Okay, another way of learning it. You're just like Paro. Paro doesn't Keep his promises. You don't keep your promises. Because see and this is what it means to look carefully. To take a uh, to look carefully at him. Again, the same idea that if you annoy me. I will kill you, the et adonecha, and paro. So, in, in, in other words, you don't have to get the specifics here. You don't have to like challenge Rashi. Why did he say this or why did he say that? But you you know that Rashi said kikavoch and kabaro. Well, that's like a tricky statement. It could be positive, but it also could be negative. And so you have another situation. This is where Yehuda 
Yehuda is taking this chance. He's saying things that are not clear, according to Rashi. Is it positive? Is it negative? <laughs> the next pasuk, pasuk yuteta, Adonis sha'ala davadav le'mor, yesh lachem avorach. Our master asked his servants, that's us. I mean, it's not like giving in. They certainly, uh, this is the, uh, a, a legitimate title. They were the servants of the Prince of Egypt. The servants of the Prince of Egypt. Adonisha ala davadav, Rashi. Right at the beginning, he said something which was suspicious. Why did you ask? Why did you ask about my family, my father? I mean, what's the difference? Are we looking to get married? Are we looking to become a family? And in spite of the fact that it didn't make any sense, it's, it's Yehuda. I mean, can you imagine this going on? Yehuda says to, to Paro, I mean, look, you know, he asked us a few questions. We were interrogated. It didn't make any sense. I mean, why do you want to know about our fathers and are the other children at home and what's going on? What are we to you? Are we going to get married to each other? Is it a shidduch? Certainly not. I mean, I mean, here's Yosef standing there. But remember, Yosef was also, he, he knew who he was, but Yehuda didn't know who he was. But Yosef was listening to everything twice. He heard it in Hebrew. And he understood the Hebrew, of course, and that he heard it in Egyptian. Whoever was translating was translating. And then we said, Yehuda says, we we have an elderly father. And a, 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 a young boy who was born in my father's old age, he mate. And he had a brother who died. And he's alone. I mean, you understand. They said to Yosef, you understand? The old man likes the young boy. He likes the, and here's Yosef standing there, you know, thinking that he had it all figured out and planned. Rashi says, mate. So you know that there is this, uh, Rashi says, let's just explain the Rashi, because of Yira, fear, right? Yehuda was consumed with fear. He knew he was doing something crazy, that he was coming to have an argument with the king of the world. With the king of the world. He said, so we have this idea, Rashi points out several times that the Torah, which is uh, uh, true, truth, Torah equals truth. I mean, it's the only thing, the only thing that is true. And therefore, a condition 
of appearing in the Torah, a condition of speaking the words of Torah, is that those words should be true. And he, Yehuda, said something that was not true, and the Torah recorded it. So both of them are difficult. Why did the Torah uh, record it? But he, he, he told a lie. He said, if I, if I say that this brother is still alive, he's going to say, bring him to me, Yehuda. So it's as though Rashi is saying it's not a lie of the type where you simply don't know what you're saying or purposely try to be misleading. But again, Yehuda was trying to protect protect the brother. There's no other brother from that. So it was Yehuda saying things that should not have any effect on on the king of the world. Certainly not. We told our master, this young boy can't really leave his father. He says, if he leaves his father, the father is going to die. And you said, you the king of the world, you said, if you don't do what I say, right? Don't do what I say, uh, then you're not going to be able to come back again. You won't be able to see to see my face. You won't be able to see my face. Rashi says, if he leaves his father, not, like, not perfectly clear, uh, Maybe he, Binyamin, will die. It's not sure. Maybe Binyam will die on the road. And uh, Yehuda, you know, brings in a kind of a, according to Rashi, a statement which could be understood as providential, that uh, his mother died on the road. His mother, Rachel. Kever Rachel may not be exactly where she died, but the idea is correct. That she died on the way to Yerushalayim, but not where we would have expected. So then he continues to give this uh, so my father didn't want to do it, didn't want to let Varad I will die. My old age will bring me into Sha'ol, into hell.
And now if I come back, I come back to my father and I don't have Binyamin with me, it's just going to be, it's just going to be terrible. Just going to be terrible. Rashi says, Vikarahu asom, Shasatan mikatreg, Bishata sakara. This is, uh, you know, it's a bad time. But Radatev it's Evati, he says, Father Yaakov, Achshav, Kishu etzli, since he's with me, I kind of am the I, a consolation for what happened to his mother and his brother. And if he dies, he Binyamin dies, it'll be as though all three, all three died at the same time. Lamed Aleph, you see Lamed Aleph, Vayakiro Toki, Einanar, Ramet, when he sees that I don't have this Binyamin with me, Oridu Avadecha, and say, but Avdecha, Vidu Biyagod Shaola, it's going to be terrible. Just terrible. Masuk Lamed Bet, Ki Avdecha, Arevet, Adnar, I am the surety. I agreed. I, I, I made sure that I would be responsible. If you ask, why am I speaking to you and my brothers? I'm not speaking. They're all outside of the story. I am very, very tied to this story. I will become exiled from two worlds, from this world and from the next world. Finally, how will I be able to go to my father? I mean, it's a, it's a marvelous speech. It's really marvelous. Here's a, an unimpressive, unimportant, singular kind of personality from the middle of nowhere who came to Egypt in order to buy food so that they could continue to exist in a country, Canaan, where there was no food, there was no place to eat, and he was willing to present his own personal issue. He promised his father. He's the one who accepted responsibility. He's the one who said that he would bring him back at all costs. He is the one who has to be front and center on this on this matter. He, he Yehuda, he Yehuda. And so you could say, you could say that this is a turning point in in Jewish history. <coughs> Up to now, I thought. I mean. I know the end of the story. I, I was here last year as well, but I'm just saying if I place myself 
into the first time reader of the story of it, I say, look, the Jewish people is being formulated. They're going to be tribes and the tribes are going to eventually get to Egypt. And after they get to Egypt, they'll get to Canaan. And when they get to Canaan, they'll, they'll, they'll conquer the land, they'll divide it up, they'll settle it. They'll become a nation and they will be Malchut, kingship in that nation, right? Yes. Now, who is the most worthy of being the king of Israel? Wouldn't it be the person who's been a king? Not, not in, in name, but in reality. Who's been a king, who looks like a king, who acts like a king, who speaks like a king? Isn't he the one who should be the king of Israel? And yet we see that eventually who becomes the king of Israel? Yehuda and his family, the children of Yehuda. They eventually, King David, King Solomon, they eventually become the kings in Israel. And here we have it. I mean, you could learn the story in a variety of ways. But what you see is, or it seems that you see, that Yosef, the Egyptian version of Yosef, was mesmerized by Yehuda, by the idea that there was such a protective element in the relationship between Yehuda and Binyamin. Yehuda was not the son of the mother of Binyamin. Yehuda was the fourth son of Leah. And Chazal said that Leah gave her the name, gave him the name Yehuda, because it's a takeoff on the word Hoda. He, she was in the birth of Yehuda. She was thankful, and she says, "My husband Yaakov has four wives." And we know that he's going to have 12 children. That means each one of the, each one of the wives should have three children. But I, Leah, I have my fourth child, Ruven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. I have my fourth child. And since I had my fourth child, I'm thankful to God who enabled me in this regard to be extraordinary. And so she called him Yehuda. She called him Yehuda. And later on, and later on, that name became the way he was. Because when his encounter with Tamar was discovered, he admitted it. Satkami many. She was righteous and I was not. That's what Yehuda said. So that became a quality that Yehuda has. And here he is in this, in this particular passage, these passages, Yehuda says, this is who I am and this is what I do and this is what I'm responsible for. And he didn't think for a moment 
that Yosef, the Egyptian version of Yosef, of course, that Yosef would just not be interested. He wouldn't be interested. But if we understand, if we understand that sometimes you have to do the right thing, even if it doesn't make sense. You have to do the right thing, even if you don't have the wherewithal to make the demand. But sometimes you just have to make the demand. And that's what Yehuda said and did. So what I would like to do at this time, now that we've thought about it a little bit, is listen to the words of the Shem Yishuel. Something that could be called Hasidut. A different kind of way of looking at it. But maybe not so different. In any event, we'll take a look. So do you see it? In the Gemara, in Masechet Sota, it says the following. He quotes the Gemara. Yosef shekidei shem shamayim b'seita. Yosef, Yosef sanctified God's name in a hidden manner. Zachavo sifulo ot achat bishumo shel baruch You see the pasuk above, the hilim parak pe aleph pasuk vav. Eidut bi Yehosef samoth. So it's the same name, but it's an extra letter. The extra letter is a hey. And the hey is one of the letters of the name of, of God, Yud Kevav K. Right? Nired the Yenebisha Sota, Yosef Shikidesh Shavai Vaseter, Zachavo Sifulo, Ot Achat Mishmo Shalakonichbov. Okay? I get it. Again, I don't know if it's a permanent, it's the only case, the only case in the, the Tanakh. Yehuda, on the other hand, Shekine Shem Shemaim Bifahesia, he did it Bifahesia, like when he, he had this, his case with Tamar, he said, Sadkami many, and everybody heard him, everybody knew it. So Yehuda, the name Yehuda contains all the letters of God's name. Yud, a hey, a vav, and a hey. He says, he says, we could understand, he means we don't understand. Bishlama. Yosef mitosvalo haot achar shekidei shem shamayim. It's true for Yosef. The letter was added to his name after he did what he did, after he was sanctified God's name. Shemikara, originally. Ayad nekra Yosef. Yosef, first he was called Yosef. Later on, he was called Yehosef. Okay, I get it. Aval Yehuda, but Yehuda, this is not the case. Kach me olam. That was his name, as we said. 
previously, his mother gave him that name. He was born in Yehuda. So how could you say he got his name because of the way he, of what he did? And here I understand, according to this is what, what, uh, <coughs> this is what uh, the Shemesh the, Shmuel said, Umizener Eh, Shashatz Medaber Mimahutam. That the hay of Yehosev is just a sign, but that's the way he is. He's a private person, and therefore his achievements, his righteousness, they come in privacy. Now, privacy could mean when you look at him, you you saw the king of Egypt. You didn't see a Jew. This is Jew, but inside of him, he was a Jew. He taught his children. He did the mitzvot. That was Yosef. Yosef's quality, his, his humanity was entirely beseta in a hidden way. And Yehuda, whatever he did, he did openly. And therefore, it's okay. He's quoting again. I knew the Yehuda who did it before Hesia, who did it in public. Yehuda, you remember. He said about Tamar, she's more righteous than I am. Visham, there the Gemara. I knew the Kafatz Chila Litochamayim. That was the descendant of, uh, of Yehuda, Nachshon. Jumped into the water for Tamuelze, Amifarshim. And they asked this question, the commentators, Ulefi, Devarenu Shashas, Midabermi Mahutam, that the Shas is talking about the essential nature of the people who are descendants, even the people who are descendants of you, the Lokasha Klau, Deha. They both are correct. Yehuda and Nachshon. That she grabbed onto his cloak. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was Yosef. At the beginning of Vayeshev, it says that Yosef was a good-looking boy. He would curl his hair to make sure he looked nice. And that meant that he didn't want people to think he was really like profoundly, seriously, 
religious. What the people that think that he was regular? It says that it was she held out his cloak much he, Yosef, was uh, like a, a nappy dresser. He wanted his clothing to be pleasant. He didn't want people to know that he was a righteous person. He sowed a love. His righteousness held up, held up the world, the entire world. And he wanted to do everything And they all saw Yehuda was also righteous. And even in the way he presented himself, he was clearly a righteous person. Later on, so I'm not sure there's a difference. I'm not sure there's a difference in the way we try to explain and the way the Shemi Shuel explains. He said, you have two people. You have two people. One was the Sarhapnim, and the other is the Sarachutz. And if you are looking for leadership, if you're looking for leadership, naturally the leadership has to go to the person who knows how to operate the Farhesia. And the person who knows how to operate the Farhesia is, is Yehuda. And Yehuda is going to become the king. Yosef, Yosef is not made for this world. Not made exactly for this world. He could only operate in a disguise. He didn't want anybody to know who he really was. He was hiding behind the economic situation, the numbers, the money, the deals, all of these things were part of Yehuda's act, Yosef's activities, but they didn't represent Yosef at all. In fact, people like Yosef have difficulty living in the world of the chitzonim, of the real, the real desire to move in a certain direction. And so in this, these psukim that we learned together today, I mean, you have Yehuda making the claim, which seems to me and maybe to us to be unreasonable. I mean, you don't talk that way to a king unless you are a king. And it may be that the kingship of Israel at that moment actually passed into the hands of Yehuda. And it may be that Yehuda 
that Yehuda didn't know that Yosef was Yosef. He thought that Yosef was the king of Egypt. That's what seems to be the case. But suddenly Yehuda knew that he was somehow on a par with who he was standing before. And that the person who was standing before him, Yosef, would not be able to respond properly to the argument that Yehuda was presenting. Even though the argument was not an argument about victory, not an argument about money, and not an argument about politics. Nevertheless, it was an argument about humanity. And Yehuda was challenging Yosef's humanity. And we know, we know because that's how the story is told, that the next thing that happened was that Yosef burst into cry. And he had to admit to the brothers who he was and what he, why he was doing what he was doing. And so Yehuda not only won the argument, but Yehuda changed the world. He made it possible for Am Yisrael, which had not yet really, not yet really been born, to have kingship. And kingship, and that that kingship would be related ultimately to Yehuda, even though there were some quirks along the way. I mean, first king of Israel was Shaul. Shaul was from the tribe of Binyamin. Okay, who knows? Binyamin shared a border with Yehuda, and on that border was the Beit HaMikdash. So it may be, maybe in some way, the idea that Yehuda would be the king started with Shaul HaMelech. And Shaul HaMelech was somehow connected to Yehuda, the Beit HaMikdash, the kingship of Israel. But in any event, after Shaul had passed to David and then the prophecy that Yehuda would become king actually came to be. So even though you know, we don't know exactly, we don't know too much about the emotional side of the characters in uh, in the Bible. I don't think there was anything wrong with um, giving them emotions, giving them an emotional side. And Yosef, Yosef could not maintain his kingship, his hidden kingship before the argument that Yosef, that Yehuda presented and that created the change in Jewish history. And there's really the idea that the Shemish world says that there's the Bahesio person and then there's the Sino person, the, the public person, the person who operates on the level of the public and the person who operates in a hidden manner. It says those things are certainly, are certainly reasonable ways of expressing the difference between Yehuda and Yosef. From this point on, Yosef 
begins to lose his glory. And Yehuda will ultimately uh, attract a new kind of Jewish personality. Have a good Shabbos. All the best.